0: this is marcus richardson president ceo of rich group financial we look forward to working with you and helping serve you in the financial service arena so what that really means is we're going to be able to help you with life insurance for your mortgage protection make sure that's taken care of when you pass we're also going to be able to help you for your final expenses to make sure your burial things like that are taken care of we also are able to help you with retirement so if you are losing money in the market and you want to stop losing money you don't want to keep losing money we can help you with that and we also can help you with Medicare. So if you want to make sure you got all that taken care of, please reach out to Rich Group Financial. You can find us at richgroupfinancial.com or you can also send us an email at richgroup28 at gmail.com and we'd love to serve you and help you and bring you into the family.
1: Welcome to the Pro Formula Podcast. I'm your host, Tarek Shabazz, and this podcast is all about professional development. So if you're trying to take your professional skills to the next level, you're in the right place. In order for us to be able to continue to bring you this great content, I'm going to need you to like, subscribe, or hit that bell on our YouTube page. You can also go to our Instagram or you can go to our Facebook account. We look forward to seeing you at our next show. Thank you so much for tuning in. All right. Welcome back to the Pro Formula Podcast. I'm your host, Tariq Shabazz, and this podcast is all about helping leaders and organizations uh, get the most out of their team and out of their performance. And so you all are in for a tra- treat today. I've got a great guest with you today, a friend of mine, someone that I've known over the years, but has just climbed and ascended to heights that I'm not sure we ever imagined. It's Dr. Chad Nash. Um, Chad Nash is the owner of the Chad Nash & Company Real Estate Brokerage. Um He's got a list of uh, accomplishments, and so I'm going to do my very best to bring him in the right way. Chad Nash was the 2022 Denver Urban Spectrum Who's Who Award winner. He is the top 1% excellent award by the Denver Metro Realtors Association. Uh, 2022, he was voted America's Top 40 Under 40. Uh, he was a 2015 National Dissertation a Year uh, Award winner. Uh, and then also from 2012 to 2014, the National Dean's Research Fellowship Award winner. He is the National Top Ten uh, Recognized NAE rep for Black and African-American Realtors. Um, and I want to bring to you all my friend, the real estate doctor, Dr. Chad Nash. Chad, welcome to the show, my brother.
0: My man, my man, my man, my man. Tark, how you doing, bro? Man, God, God has been good, man. I'm doing great. How's everything with you? I'm good. Try, try to look as good as you, man. What? I'm trying to figure out a... Uh, you know, they say black don't crack. It don't, man. And you still look like you're like 15, bro.
1: No, nah, I just, uh, uh, we'll talk about how old I am at a time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, he he tried he tried to get me with the, uh, we were talking about some of these awards, and he's, he thought I was the top 40, over 40. <laughs> so, you know, just got to gotta make it playful with the, the age fees.
1: Yeah, no, nah, um, I'm so honored. If you all are in the Colorado or Denver market and you do not know about Chad, uh, I don't know where you've been because Chad has been running up the scale. Chad, how are things these days like? What what you up to now?
0: Ah, uh, man. Um, life is a whirlwind, bro. I mean, it's um life is a blessing. Um it, you know, where I'm at today is is a lot different than uh where we grew up. Yes, sir. Right? And a lot different than where I was five years ago. Um, so right now I'm blessed to I have the privilege of owning a, a brokerage. Um, and I have about 30 agents that work under me and mentor under me. Um, I have my own portfolio of real estate business. Uh, I have the, the public speaking going uh, and a lot of the real estate coaching going. So just, you know, just trying to get back to the world, just trying to pour into the world and uh, leave some kind of a legacy and an impact.
1: impact. and I, I know you're doing that uh, especially well. Um, I, I want to understand, like, how is it being Chad Nash now? Because I know ten years ago people may not have recognized you, and they may not have understood that. But like, what are some of the things that have happened in your career that you like? I, I must have arrived because people are starting to reach out, and people know who I am.
0: You know, it's it's um, it's weird, right? Because you say, you know, some people may not have recognized me ten years ago. Um, I probably wouldn't even have rec- recognized myself ten years ago. Um, and I think sometimes I forget, you know, where we started and where we are today because it doesn't even hit me. And sometimes I'll be in public and folks will be like, hey, you're Chad, or, you know, you get speaking requests or, you know, newspaper articles that want to quote you or TV folks. And when I go home, I just feel like the same old Chad when we were growing up, yeah. like the same Chad from Mom Bello, And, you know, I, I, it never dawns on me that I feel like I've arrived. Um, but Life is different. Um, It's a lot more hectic, but it's in a good way. And my advisor would always say, hey, those are good headaches to have. So I have a lot more headaches, um, but they're great headaches to have. I'd much rather be in this position today.
1: I remember when I first started my nonprofit, the Mile High Bulldog Youth Association, and um, I was coaching football, and I had a really awesome youth league football program. And I kind of knew that I was getting there when, like, the best players from other teams would, like, hey, can I join your program? How do I join and and be a part of what you're doing? And so I think that that's a way that I could recognize that I was getting there. You're saying that you have a brokerage, you now have 30 uh, brokers who work underneath you. How has that transition been now you're being the leader of such a big group?
0: I love it. I mean, it's it's, it's humbling and I think it's to that point, right? You you have been a leader of men and young men um, in the coaching space and having those parents and or young men or young players believe in you, right, to come to you. And I think that's the equivalent of having a brokerage, right? Um, When I started in real estate, it was just me. And it was all about my production and uh, helping my own clients. And when people start to gravitate that to say, hey, you're doing something right. uh, And they're entrusting not only their business, but in this space, it's about being an entrepreneur. So they're entrusting their lives with you. Um, And that's a heavy burden to to carry, right? But that's when I think I realize like, hey, I've arrived in a sense, right? But I also have a duty to pave this way for these folks who are saying, how how can I make it? How can I do something similar? Um, How can I craft the way?
1: You talked about carrying a burden and I think sometimes when you're in a leadership role, you're responsible for other people. And for those that, you know, are aspiring to get into a leadership role, part of what we're talking about on our show, this will be able to help you because this is going to be some knowledge that you're going to learn from uh, actual leaders. But what are some of the, some of the burdens that you carry as a leader that people who see you and see all the awards and all the wonderful things that you're doing may not understand that you carry?
0: Yeah, Um, that's a good question. I think from a just practical real estate perspective, right? They don't understand the emotion behind it Um, because real estate is a very glitzy, glamorous, um, you see a lot of the Instagram posts, the luxury and the the closing photos and everybody thinks it's just all fun, right? But it's a very um, emotional industry and it's emotional when you're a solo agent only work, you know, working with your clients, but it becomes exponentially more emotional when people are working with you and under you because now you're 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 carrying their emotional toll as well. And they don't see that burden and it's always a me first kind of culture, yeah. right, where people expect for you to be able to be on call 100%, show up 100% any time that they reach out. That's right. But they're not realizing, you know, Tark and Chad, we're, were pulled in a lot of different ways, yeah. right? Um, and then I would say, you know, one of the, the larger burdens that I've carried uh, is the psychological piece. Um, Talk about that. You know, well, and, and we're from the same, uh, what we call the turf, we're from the same dynamics, yeah, yeah, right? Absolutely. And what, when you're growing up and you see people become successful, we would always say, hey, I'm never gonna switch up, right? I'm never gonna that's do right. this, and I'm always gonna come back, and I'm always gonna make sure everybody is put on, and right? Yeah. And that's the mantra I think that we grew up with, especially in our culture. Yeah. Um, and then as as you do arrive, um, and as you do uh, climb the status uh, ladder in your life and your career, it's the psychological burden of carrying that and how that sometimes maybe turn to guilt right and uh, and things of that sort. i
1: I call these the residual effects of
0: success Mm
1: -hmm. um you know for me when i was on this ascension and as i've been climbing what i realized i oftentimes had to isolate myself Mm -hmm. so that i could get the clarity and i could get the focus but as i'm doing that i'm realizing that there's people that are rooting for me that were there for me when i started that we, their gap has grown um, between us. How have you learned to manage, you know, those relationships? Because you still love them. You still care about them and they still know how to get to old Chad. Mm-hmm. But then you're in this new world. Talk to me about how you balance um, this new world with your old life.
0: Um, I'll, I'll be honest with you, Tarek. I think it early on, the problem was I was trying to balance, mm-hmm. right? And I think, what I really had to learn is at some point you just have to be okay with not being able to balance. Yep. You have to be okay. Almost just embrace this, embrace new, this new place you that are, you are. Okay. Right? Because I would find myself, and this even started before real estate, right? because um, I was one of the blessed few to to, to make it out of Montbello and get a PhD. Um, and that's an education.
1: Yeah, give us man expensive. Flowers, a PhD coming out of Montbello. Now, you all know I'm from North Aurora, um, but we have very similar communities, yeah. and I'll tell you what, I don't know anybody that had a, a PhD other than a player-headed degree.
0: mean I, I, <laughs> mine was, ain't a player-headed degree. <laughs> now, let's make it clear. All right?
1: Yeah, so uh, a lot of them, you know, they, they made it out there, so to see mm. you ascend to that level, I, I like how you're saying, You just had to embrace kind of your own journey and and live in your new you.
0: And and that's what it was. And I think I started on that journey early, going to college, right? And and because it was always your homies are rooting for you. Everybody's rooting for each other to make it up out. We all want to make it up out, right? But then you start to, um, when you start to make it up out, it's like, well, how come you can't come back and hang out every day yeah, man. and how come he can't come back and hang out at every weekend or how come he's not inviting us up to this space to come party yeah, right man. like this, this is the homie right and so uh it, it was that balance early on in my life uh you get looked at as man he's becoming the white boy right he's yeah. becoming a uh he's too cool he's too he done professional right he doesn't sold out and I remember when I would come back and visit nobody would ever out outwardly say that to you yeah. but it's the so
1: i know jabs
0: yeah. and so i had to in order for me to to get to where i am today there was a point and i and i can't tell you exactly when that point was but i just had to become okay with being whatever this perception was and being okay with myself because for too long it was trying to serve two gods, right. right? You were trying to serve your community in the mentality, in the image that they remembered you. Yeah. I think right? that's,
1: the, that's the key. There's so much growth that's taking place that they don't even understand it or mm-hmm. see it. And your friends may have been subtle about it. My friends, not so much. My yeah. friends are like, bro, you left us. Right. I had a friend one time I remember saying, Oh, uh, what you doing around here, man? Thought you forgot about us. Oh yeah. Oh like, yeah. What you mean, forgot about y'all? I was. Right. I'm doing all of this for y'all. I created this nonprofit for your kids. Exactly. I, I created this nonprofit for you all. You mm-hmm. know, and and um, I had to learn to get some thick skin. And I'm gonna be honest with you, that's still some things that I'm worried about or working on today. Is trying to find a way to balance where I'm at right now. And, and I'm stop using that word because I like what you said. It's it's not a balance. Mm-hmm. I'm in this new space and there's people that can come with me on this journey and i'm still going to always have love for those people that were that grew up in the neighborhood that i grew up in but i can't and i don't want to say level down because that's not mm-hmm. the right way but it's just jump back into that world mm-hmm. when this is kind of my new lane to my
0: new life right yeah you know? i agree 100 percent it's about energy yeah man. right and that's where the uh choice came it said hey i don't mind i'm never going to fully turn my back on my homies. If I see any of my homies and they need something, right. any, any of them know that they can call, right? But it's the energy mm-hmm. that I'm able to take with me on this journey. Yeah. And if it's any kind of negativity of that guilt trip of why don't you come back, yeah. you ain't checked on us, I can't do it, Yeah. you know? And, and I've had those tough conversations just like you've probably had to have with your group of friends I, where- I told
1: them, hey, y'all, I, I never went to prison. Y'all went to prison for six years. Right. You right. went to prison for right. 7 years and while you were gone I was still grinding. Right. So it's, uh, I I almost feel like you left me. Right. we have plans and barbershops and all this stuff that people want to do. Yeah. And then they've left and it's been that inconsistency. Right. Um I want to just shift gears cuz I, yeah. I I got to get into where you grew up at and, and all of that, but I want to just before we do that like what does 10-year 10 10-year-old 10 Chad think about you?
0: Oh, a 10-year-old uh, Chad would <laughs> I would probably be calling myself a sellout, too. Would you? Uh, uh, okay. Well, you know, because we grew up in, uh, you know, like you said, North Aurora, Montbello. Um, for me, it was uh, gang culture, gang affiliations. Yeah. Um, and it was all, it was just about being tough and playing sports. That's all I cared about. That's right. Right. And if you were doing anything that was count, counter counter to that, that was just square business. Yeah. Um, You know. My mom, she did a really good job of keeping me, and I, and I and I always say it's those little seeds that people plant when you're young that yeah. you don't realize, but she did a really good job of planting those seeds. So I think looking back on it, right, ten year old me would say thank God, mm. right, but in that moment, I'd have been like, nah, that's, I, I just want to be on Sports Illustrated. That's it.
1: When I, when I think of ten year old Tark, man, I'm being honest with you, I'm like. I think he would be so proud and mm. surprised. Mm. Like, you know, some of the things I didn't mm. ever have the vision. Right. If I could be completely honest, I didn't see the life that I'm living today. That if I told you I had a swimming pool and a, a model for a wife, what's up, baby? Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know that I would all the way believe that. Right. You know because I don't really believe that there were many people like me in my neighborhood in my community that I could look at as a resource or right. look at as a reference. And so when I think about ten year old
0: Tark, I think he would be extremely proud with with little. But Lil wait, uh, but let me let me ask you this though, yeah. right? Because I get I get that part, and I think ten year old Chad would be proud and be like, man, he's living here has a beautiful partner, yeah. right? He has a beautiful baby, got dogs and all, because that's cool. Yeah. But what 10 year old Tark, and this is where I think you're asking that question, what 10 year old Tark knowing what 10 year old Tark was gonna have to sacrifice mm-hmm. to get that, that he couldn't play with his childhood friends oh, that that uh that he grew up with. And they said, you know what, they ain't gonna be there. Yeah. It's gonna be somebody totally different. And that's where I think I, like I would my 10 year old self would have been like, you mean to tell me I got to give up my homies or oh I got to I can't go this and I can't listen and I can't do this and I can't dress like this. And I can't. Hell no. Nah. I'm staying just like because we we don't have that vision. Nah, we don't have that model. Right. Because I would have loved seeing yeah. 40 and under Tark where he's at. But it is to sacrifices within yeah. it does that make sense I love it I think you know when you put it from that
1: perspective I remember my freshman year at Aurora Central High School um, the the principal said look to your right mm. and then I want you to look to your left mm. and I, I'm almost willing to guarantee you that those people will not be with you in 20 years from now mm-hmm. and when he said that I remember being offended Chad I was like no Get no sorry these are my boys we're going to be together for the rest of our lives are you kidding me and i do have some of those relationships Mm -hmm. but some of my friends that i grew up with are gone they're no longer here um some of my best friends have have been murdered or have been taken away or they've they've died through other means and uh, have gone away to prison and so when you put it from that perspective i think 10 year old tark would have said i see you but where's everybody Mm -hmm. at Exactly. You know, he may have, he may have exactly. thought about it. he may have seen that. So let, let's talk a little bit about um, the, the community that you grew up in. You said that you grew up in the Montbello area. We all know that there's a lot of gangs in that particular area. Is that something that you got involved in at, at a young age? Were you active in it or or did you always have this kind of um, mindset that you were going to be this, who you are today?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a good question, um, and it's a slippery slope too, okay. right? Because, and you know, there's different levels to what we call gang banging, yeah. right? Um, and I, and I, I guess, I, and I, I won't give the whole family okay. tree of it, but, you know, I grew up originally, um, my older mentors growing up, they were actually uh, Lincoln Park Pirus. Ooh. They were the only Pirus that lived in Montbello. Okay. Uh, and so a, a guy that I call my older, older brother, uh, he's now like a, you know, triple OG. Lincoln Park Pyro. So I always wanted to emulate him. Yeah. And he never let me.
1: Yeah.
0: Right? And even to this day we just had a conversation probably about a month ago, right? And I was thanking him. That's that ten year old thanking him, like, yeah. thank you for not letting me go down that path. Yeah. Cause that would have been my first intro to it. And you know me, I went to school. Uh I, I went to McGlone Elementary, which was in Montbello, but I went to Place Middle School. And then, okay. you know, I started off at T J. Okay. So I got introduced to a lot of uh different sects around not not sex s e x but different neighborhoods yeah, around the uh community yeah. right i knew the, the the park Hill gangsters I knew the east side gangsters in my hub uh of course by that time going in the middle school we had we had full blown gang culture in Montbello, and then we had click culture yeah. Man. But our clique culture bled into gang culture.
1: Before you know it, you looked up and you was a Crip. Right, you, know, I, I, I you just—I was in a clique at first, and mm-hmm. we was all about getting the girls. I won't, right? I will out myself in terms of what the what our little clique was called, right? Before I know it, I looked up and I was an Eastside and, and, and I said, how did this happen? I thought I was all into the girls and I wanted it, to fight every now right. and again. And that's what I thought that's this was. It was. But right. then next thing you know, there was elevation right. to this gang culture right. that is just and, like, yeah, it's un- and, unreal.
0: And, and so when you ask the question, was I destined for it? No, but you also know uh, growing up in communities like Aurora, Montbello, there's also a survival culture. Yep. And it's either... I always tell people you were doing the picking or you was getting picked on. That's right. And so as we joined cliques, yeah. our cliques, uh because of our affiliations with the older gang members, yeah. right? Our cliques were the little brothers or the little cousins That's of the right. real OGs. Yeah. And that culture bled down. Yeah, right. And so the rivals that our older siblings had or whatever, we took on because right. they see us. You're there's an no distinction you're an extension you're no there's no distinction yeah and i remember when we had big time bees with, with like the east side gangs yeah. as a result of what was going on with you know the gear game crips and the trade trays and all these and that yeah. and we were extensions of that right um so i i'd say loosely you know we we were affiliated yeah and in our culture growing up i think affiliation could also be masked as you know gang banging yeah. even though we weren't intended to be like hey we got put on the set but if we go around any of those folks they're going to accept us just the same Are we talking the same way that as- they absolutely We're just using the same time. absolutely so that's that's kind of what it was
1: i, I was in a similar situation i wanted to uh, i wanted to get into the crack game and start selling dope so bad and i remember going to my big cousin mm-hmm. you know and i just i want to just thank you right now Jabbar, for never letting me get into it, um, mm-hmm. I remember asking him to give me a sack. and he said, <laughs> "You got to be born into that, cause this yeah. ain't for you. Right? Like, this ain't for you." And so having having some of that was was really helpful. What were some of the things that you were involved in that kind of kept you yes. focused, or uh, maybe you weren't focused, but got you going? Did you play sports? Yeah, and, and yeah. talk to me a little bit about that.
0: Yeah, and that's where you know going back to the analogy of. Um, there's little sl- seeds planted in your life that you're unaware of yeah. um, as you're growing. And and sometimes it takes a lot of circumstances or experiences to make those seeds bloom.
1: Okay,
0: um, And my seed was my parents, my mom, right? And I always tell folks, so all of my homies, I would say 90% of my homies came from that true woe is me story, right? That's right. Uh, single far- parent home, uh parents was on drugs or they were dealing with real family circumstances yeah. like that, right? Yeah. And I was affiliated with that by nature of being connected to them. Yeah. But my dynamic, I'll just honestly say, was not that. My mom was very intentional on getting me into like programs like Odyssey of the Minds or nice. Uh, you know, going to a neighborhood um outside of Montbello to do youth camps and she was just very intentional. I hated it when I was young because I already felt that pressure of, of leaving my homies behind. Yeah. Right. I, at, at a, at a goes, young age. A you
1: experiencing right. Your mom was preparing you for Absolutely. what your actual destination was gonna be.
0: And I remember, uh, it's so funny, I'll, I'll just tell you a, a quick story. It had impacted me so much, right? Being ingrained in my neighborhood, but my mom was always trying to find a way out that in middle school, and, you know, Cherry Hills is over here by TJ, yeah. like, by place. So my mom had separated from my, uh, from my dad. And I was so enculturated into Montbello, right, and didn't want to leave. Yeah. She had found a house, like, over in, like, Cherry Hills. Wow. And we went to go look. And I was so scared because when the sign said Cherry Hills, I, I like, hid in the, in, the, in the front seat because I told her, I said, this is where all the white people are. This is where all the KKK are. I need to go back over here, right? And so it was that tug, and she was constantly looking to say, nah, this isn't it. This isn't it, right? And so that's that seed that I think once the light turned on, I was able to draw back to those experiences of this is why it was important to meet people that did not look like you or go to schools with people that did not look like you, right, and not just stay sheltered.
1: My my parents, I I came from a similar situation. I always say that we were, we didn't have a lot of money, Mm -hmm. but we were rich on knowledge, Mm -hmm. we were rich on love. My mom and dad were huge on education and Mm -hmm. I can remember being embarrassed about being one of the smartest kids in the class. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. um, my handwriting was so neat, my friends used to tease me. And so, you know, I would try not to allow them to see the marks that I'm getting in in school. I was always an honor roll student. And it was interesting, you know, that like how you said we were almost having to hide from who we really were at that time because it was always in us. Um, What kind of athlete were you?
0: (laughs) He's trying to set me up, boy. You know, now just (laughs) one. So in in grade school, I played everything, right? I was a, I played every sport, and I would say I was decent in everything. Um, I was good in football. Okay. I was decent enough to make every team you know, in every other sport. And that was all the way through high school, right? So all the way through uh, basically junior year, um, you got track, you got uh, basketball, I played basketball through my sophomore year, baseball for two years, okay. right? Which, yeah, in high school. So it's like all those little sports I could play decently. Uh, now I know where Tark is going, uh, I had, so, and I ran track come on, now see I'm he not, just wants me to I'm put this on camera man, this yes you. you are yes it's you are guilty, y'all. This, I,
1: this is Chad's <laughs> guilt I, I just want the viewers to hey, understand so I, it started when he was young it, it, now tell your story it, Yeah,
0: so I ran track and uh we ran on opposing track clubs but we practiced at the same facility so it was almost like the Broncos and the Raiders right yeah. we were the Broncos y'all were the, y'all the true the we were the Broncos y'all was black and yeah. silver yeah, all was black and silver, so we weren't accepted. We accept weren't the Raiders. <laughs> we were winning titles, bro.
1: So we Y'all were. The best sprinters Y'all were. Ab-
0: Marcus Walker Track Club was Absolutely. a beast. Absolutely. Shout out Marcus
1: Walker. Thank you, man, for everything.
0: And, and, but I never could, I just was never a track athlete. Yeah. Um, but everything else I played and I loved it. I would say football was my sport, baseball was probably my favorite sport. Mm. If that makes sense yeah. but i was probably the least talented at baseball okay right and just somehow some way was talented more talented at football
1: believe it or not i was uh, i played football i played basketball I ran track and um i loved football the most but i was probably the best at wrestling i was a city really? champ. i didn't know that uh, yeah city champ wrestler um i went to high school and i they were excited about me coming to the school so i could wrestle for the team yeah and I remember seeing these, these Oh, this is at Ber- Bear Creek. I was at Aurora Central at this time. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was at okay. Aurora Central, and I saw this kid with this ear that was looking crazy. I, I learned it was cauliflower ear, and I said, yo, this is going to kill my mm-hmm. reputation. <laughs> I, mean, I ain't be doing no man. what I look like getting out there on the wrestling mat, getting beat up like that. Yeah. Um, but I think youth sports, for me, allowed me to see life was different. When, when we ran track, we had the ability to travel. Yeah. And I remember going to Arizona or Arizona. Utah or New Mexico or going to junior nationals and going to junior Olympics. And um, I saw that the world was so much bigger than what was in my own neighborhood. We right. would go to local track meets and do great. Then we go to regional and we do pretty good. Right. But then when, when we went to the national scene, um, it was a lot different. You got kids, I remember running against a kid from Long Beach, California in the 400. And uh, this kid was on a whole nother level, Chad. Yeah. But I thought I was like the 400 meter guy. Right. So it's, it, it was interesting. To see that, what are some of the things that you learned as a child that you carry on mm-hmm. and, and have carried with you to this next level?
0: Yeah, um, it, you know, to to kind of interweave a, a story yeah. within it, right? So um, part of my moving around um, was out, on my own doing. So I went to a lot of schools, uh-huh. too, right? Um, and this was uh, part All of it. own doing, th- what you mean? Right, so getting in trouble. Okay. All right, so <laughs> All right. Um, after middle school, I ended, up, I ended up going to six high schools. What? Yeah, I went to six high schools. So I went to TJ, went to Rangeview, went to Montbello, went back to TJ, wait, went, to, went, went from TJ to Rangeview, went to alternative school, went to Montbello, back to TJ, got kicked out of TJ, went to Overland for two days. For two days. I don't know, Oh no, you was at Royal Central, but I went to uh, Overland for two days and then graduated from Montbello. So uh, the piece of that was, and this is how you kind of take your experiences and they catapult you to where you are, right? Um, I think what it did for me was there's different demographics at every single one of those schools, right? And while folks who grew up Around me, never really went and mingled yeah. with, especially Bell and TJ. Right, that was like the that biggest rival, right? Absolutely. Me being able to, right, integrate, you know, coming from a Mobello, going to TJ, which is which was very diverse, then going to Rangeview, which was very ho- homogeneous at the time, very yeah. white, right? Coming back to our Overland, which was very diverse, and just being able to be that chameleon, yeah, man. right. I think what that taught me was how to just be comfortable, how to be comfortable and how to just navigate, right? How to navigate and quickly discern environments, Mm. right? To be able to say, okay, what's what? And that's really helped me now, right? To be able to walk in and read rooms or just, Mm. it gives you like a sixth sense, if that makes sense.
1: It makes a lot of sense. I absolutely, um, I absolutely get that. And I think for myself, I I think it was the hard work. I ran the eight hundred. I was able to like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. have some mental strength that would just be like kick. You know, you still got another lap to go. Yeah. Um, and and all of that. So I think that's that's fascinating. Um, I want to kind of transition into a little bit in terms of like where you are now. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna ask it in this way: What would you say to ten year old Chad?
0: Oh man!
1: If you could talk to him today, yeah. What would you
0: tell him? I I. And I use this this analogy constantly now, right I would tell him to be comfortable with the blinders mm. um, and that's what I mean by that you know horse racing sure right and I'm really been getting horse racing and you know why they put the blinders on the horses They just want them to keep going straight they want them to keep going straight that's right right because if if a horse doesn't have those blinders, they're going to do what the horse next to them
1: mm.
0: does right okay and so I would say, put on the blinders and be comfortable,
1: okay?
0: Um, and it, and be comfortable with just finding a, and, and, and uh, it's so hard to say that a 10 year old would accept that, right? Because they're gonna be like, no. Nah, last thing they want to hear is right what, last thing. I'll but hear. it would just say, be okay with finding that your whatever your passion is in pursuit. I do I do a, I do a, a public uh, talk with, middle schoolers and high schoolers call uh, BYOB. So be your own brand,
1: mm.
0: right? Um, and I guess that's the second thing I would tell 10 year old Chad, be your own brand. Like for so long I was a, a follower, right? Uh-huh. Um, not cause I wasn't tough, but because the, I wanted to fit in. Why is, why is that so important to fit in? It, it was just, I think it was uh, part of his confidence. Okay. Right. And, and but again, going back to what we talked about before, if I wasn't going to be in the group that was getting picked on. Okay. Right. Like we both know each other. Right. And I also know um, when you grow up with a warrior spirit, anybody that challenges you is going to elicit a response. That's right. So part of that fitting is was, look, if I fit in with this group, I'm not going to get challenged as much. OK, because if I'm not with this group, I'm going to get challenged. And now. I'm always have to be fighting. I'm always
1: picking, have to. You were really picking your poison out of young age.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, hey, you just really be protected. Yeah. You know, and not have to, you know, worry about walking down the street or somebody call you a name and you know you're going to say something back and now you're in the fight seven times a week. Yeah. Right?
1: You got to help me with this one because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to understand how you go from school to school, getting kicked out, mm-hmm. to now I'm going to college. Yeah to now I'm earning a PhD.
0: Yeah, what,
1: yeah. I mean, there's a lot that happened <laughs> in the process and you just skip from there to there. Yeah. Let's rewind that a little bit. Talk to me about when did you go to college? What college did you go to? And then when did the love of academics kick in? And, and prior to that, were you a good student? And you just were under challenge? Like, talk to me about that. Yeah. I don't get it.
0: Well, let me talk about that first part. For uh, that, Going back to what I talked about my mom, right? Yeah. I was always a smart student okay um but again it was that culture of fitting in you couldn't beat us like it, you said you got be. talked about right yep. so i always downplayed it um what happened was i would fight a lot in high school okay and that would lead to getting kicked out of the formal high schools right and it was always if i went to tj well now i had to bring them my culture and i had to make sure they all knew i was from my bellow mm-hmm. i went to range you, oh all the white kids was gonna know that Chad was gang affiliated, right? And you had to uphold this image, yeah, man. right? Um, and I would also steal a lot, right, in high school. Okay. And so outside of school, I was literally every month going down to Gilliam, like getting- uh, the, youth the, detention the, the youth detention center. Right, excuse me, the youth detention center. Yeah. Or some kind of charge, right? Um, and it was mostly for stealing or for theft. And where that came from, again, is that fit in culture. So even though my mom uh, and dad did everything for me, we didn't have money. Yeah. And when you went to schools like Aurora Central or to Mabello or to TJ, yeah. a lot of status is based on how cool you present yourself. That's right. Man. And I didn't have the money to buy the nice shoes. Never or, had
1: any Jordans, y'all. I was. I didn't have Jordans. I, I could Air Max. Are you kidding me? You took it t- right me, out of my
0: anything. mouth, right? Yeah. I never to this day, and people ask me. I have never, I've never put Jordans on my feet to this day. I swear to God, on my daughter's life, I have never put a pair of Jordans on. Back then, it's because I couldn't afford it, right? Yeah. And so part of that became just stealing and delinquency, and that became a habitual pattern throughout high school, okay. right? And that's why I never could stay consistent, especially when it came to sports. People were always like, "Man, I could play," but he's always getting in trouble, this and that, right? Yeah. Um, and what happened? So I ended up, <laughs> this is the smart piece, right? So my senior year, I tore my ACL for the first time. And I said, forget this, man, I'm done going to school, this is dumb. But I always knew how to just stay eligible, okay. right? Just do just I, enough. Ju- just enough yeah, man. to stay eligible okay. for the game. I was smart enough to do that, yeah. right? Oh, you, I need a D? Cool, I'll get a D, right? Yep. And that's the same thing that happened with graduation, too. I ended up graduating high school with a one point nine seven GPA because I knew there was one class. Go ahead. Go ahead.
1: I just want to say, like you all that that may be listening to the show, you can do whatever you put your mind to. This isn't. You're not sitting here with somebody who was knocking it out of the ballpark when mm-hmm. they were the children. Who are knocking it out of the ballpark, and we're going to talk about that. But with a 1.9 GPA and then somehow you turn into a PhD and you get you win these dissertation awards. Like mm. anyway, I'm sorry. I just now nah, I, nah. I had to comment on that. Man. But that's it, big. That's big. And
0: and, and this is I want to I want to laminate on that process from that 1.9 because I hope it's inspirational. Right? That's right. So when I graduated with a 1.97 GPA, remember I tore my ACL, yeah. wasn't getting recruited, didn't take any of the SATs, SATs. And I was just like, hey, I'm going to just go work at, remember, Teletech, like one of those, like, MCI, yeah. yeah. I was like, cool, if I can make 15 bucks an hour, right? I'm balling. But in the meantime, I got, uh, I I, I stole, and I forgot what I stole. It was right after graduation, but I was 18, right? Mm. So before, it was all kid stuff. It's big boy stuff now. 18, I stole. I went to the judge. I got probation, right? Judge said, hey, here's your one chance, right? Two weeks later, stole again.
1: Oh, man.
0: Guess what happened? I went in front of the same judge, and the judge was the brother. I don't know if you remember Mr. Stein, who was the uh, principal at Rangeview, but it was Mr. Stein's brother that was a judge in Aurora. Went in front of the same judge, and he said, Mr. Nash, didn't I just see you? Didn't I just give you a chance, right? Didn't I just say, hey, don't let this happen again? And you're right back in my courtroom less than 30 days, right?
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. Now you're about to see. So he gave me a 60 day uh, sentence in Arapahoe County for stealing. And of course, you know, you could do, get the good time or whatnot, so time could be knocked off. But that was my first time going to like real jail went to Arapahoe County and uh, it was there that things changed dramatically, right? And there was a guy, um, I won't say his name, but he was a CU football player. Remember we used to go up to all the camps at Absolutely. CU. And he was one of the players at CU and he went on to the NFL. But we ended up being like cross sale mates, right? And he's a guy that I looked up to when I was younger. Okay. And I would always talk to him and I was cool with everybody. So this goes back to the point of, what lessons right i knew how to hey because i was scared this is my first time being in jail oh shoot you know this this gang affiliations i ain't in here i don't know who y'all are like i'm gonna just be cool and say what's up and i became very uh likable in there and i was always like what's going on man let's talk let's chop it up and finally him in another cell man i remember it to this day we were sitting there eating they said chad why are you in here right And I'm just, you know, I'm fresh 18. I'm the youngest dude in there. I don't know, you know, I don't know why I'm in here. What are you gonna do? I don't know, you know, get out. And they said, well, we know one thing. Look at XYZ, the gentleman, right? He had everything. I've been a millionaire, this and that. And now I'm in here because of drugs. Mm. Okay? He said, if I could tell you one thing, whatever brought you here, when you get out, you need to figure out how to stay away from that, and I only ended—I think I ended up doing like thirty days or something in there. But as soon as I got out, the next day I went up to my counselor's office in Montbello, and you know schools are closed at that time. Yeah. By God, the door just happened to be open, right? Yeah. Man. And I was so lost and confused, and I just said, "This is the only thing I really know is Montbello, and I know Miss." Uh, uh, our principal, she was the only one, who, she let me graduate, right? I really think they boosted my grade to graduate because I was likable. And I went, and I was just looking through, and I was just searching for somebody, and I saw my principal, Miss Patterson. Rest her soul, she changed my life. Miss Patterson, what's up? Chad, what you going to do? How you doing? Uh, you know, I didn't tell her everything that was going on. I said, but I need you to do me a favor. I need to get out of my bellow okay well what are you thinking i need to i don't know but i need to go somewhere and it was a look in her eye where it was like he's serious and she told me to go to the rec center she said go do some research you ain't got the grades to go anywhere so you have to look at community colleges or what they call junior college i didn't know what a junior college was at that time and and she said bring me back a list and we'll figure out how we can get you somewhere don't choose cca don't choose ccd right? Look at these schools and tell me what you want to do. Okay. I went up to the rec center, did my research and we had, um, like Lamar and Otero. Right. And, uh, the two it came down to was, um, Northeastern and Sterling Sterling in Trinidad state. Okay. And I looked at Sterling and I said, because they were the furless, right? And I said, it looks too much like jail. And so I discarded it. And Trinidad, you were, you could have told me that Trinidad was USC or Harvard <laughs> because they had the trees and the, and the brick roadways. And I was like, that's where I'm going, right? And I took it back to her. And long story short, she made some calls and we were probably like two weeks away from school starting at that time, right? Made some calls, got me out there and me and my dad took off to Trinidad. And it was there where it was like, and let me just say this part here, right? Because I know you're, I know you're a faith-based person, right? And this is where I think the universe or God or whatever people want to call it, I call it God, aligns your steps. I got to Trinidad, and you know you gotta take like they call it that, the acuplacer test for your your placements and classes. Again, I was always smart. I wasn't a dummy, so I got up there, and the guy was like. You know, you're like in the 98th percentile on all these tests. I know, right? You know, now I'm trying because I'm trying to do whatever I can and not have to go back. You're in the 98th percentile. Okay, cool. Get my classes. But it never occurred to me, Tart, that I would have to pay because we grew up scholarships. Scholarships
1: was the way he was going to
0: play play ball and get the money. All my homies, remember, we was in the era where TJ was sending 15, 20 cats A to play football A every year. year, Montbello was sending all the yeah, cats, Aurora that. had their beasts coming. Nobody was talking about having to pay for anything. Yeah, man. And it didn't occur to me that college cost. I didn't do the FAFSA. So I didn't do any of that. Yeah. And I remember sitting there and my dad was still out there and the financial aid counselor came back and said, okay, how are you going to do tuition? I don't know. And so our, my dad took the, the the guy right to the side because my dad's a very prideful guy, and I'm assuming the conversation went something like, "Hey, can we work out something?" So on and so on. And he came back, and then you know the guy was like, "All right, Mr. Nash, you're good for this semester, right?" And I'm like, "Thank you, thank you, thank you." Telling my dad, "Hey, I'll get a job up here at McDonald's. I'll make. I'll figure it out, right?" So long story short, here um, we're about a weekend of classes. And I get a call down to the, like the admissions office. Me, I'm thinking, I'm so used to getting called to the principal's office and getting in trouble. I'm like, man, they must have found out I was in jail. I was whatever. Something's about to go wrong, right? And I got in there. Here's the crazy part, Tart. That financial aid guy sat across from me. The same question that they asked me in jail, same version, right? Why are you here? What do you mean? Why am I here? I'm going to school, but why are you at Trinidad State, right? Because he's like, I'm looking at your grades, and I'm looking at how you've interacted with everybody, and everybody loves you. Like they put me in the student government in the first week. Mm. You see
1: what I'm saying? Yeah. Because they're like, you're so. You set up for that. You know, when you look back, look back at at the programs
0: that your mom exactly exactly
1: had that skill set and now it's being cultivated you got an environment where it can be fostered
0: that's that seed part yeah. right because i didn't appreciate that then yeah. right so when you talked about being able to uh move around the city and uh interact with everybody right and now you're in here and you're like just being respectful and hey you're politic and you know just being nice to everybody they see it
1: yeah
0: hey why are you here i don't know well here's the thing chad we know you don't have the finances, right? And it just so happens that we had a young lady who did not come to Trinidad state because she ended up getting married and she's deferring her scholarship to next year. Wow. Okay, that's cool, right? Wait, Still was, not getting the magnitude. Got to do with right, right. It? Would you like the scholarship? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, here's the terms of the scholarship. It man and, and it and it. Bro it makes me so makes me so, like, to think about it, what happened in that moment. He said, this scholarship is gonna pay for your two years here at Trinidad State, free of cost, all your residency. And if you want to transfer it to a four-year school, it will pay for your last years at a four-year school. And I looked at him like, you mean I ain't gotta pay nothing? No. He, it's called the Governor's Opportunity Scholarship. Shout out Governor's Opportunity <laughs> The scholarship. God Scholarship, man. You know what I'm saying? The, it, here's the Governor's Opportunity Scholarship. Mr. Jimenez, are you sure? Like, th- for me, right, said the same thing. Just promise me, whatever it is that brought you here, you don't go back to it. Mm. So now when people ask me, right, why did education become so big to me? Because it was in that moment, it became a hustle. It was like something is telling me like, this is your route, right?
1: Chad, it's, um, that story is crazy. I wanna just, I'll be brief. We have so many similarities. Mm-hmm. I, I was graduating high school on a Saturday and Friday night, one of my best friends was shot and killed. Yeah. Saturday morning, another one of my friends was shot and killed. All this before graduation. Yeah. I graduated Saturday afternoon. And my dad takes my best friend and I to Texas for like a little getaway. We were going to Longview, Texas. It's, it makes me laugh because it was like, there's nothing to Longview. <laughs> I just came through Longview. I was like, what the hell is you going to see there? Yes, but that's where the, that's where he grew up at. So yeah. he took my best friend and I out there and I got a call. So this is Sunday, we, we leave, we go to Texas. And on Tuesday, I get a call from my ex-wife that says she was pregnant with my son.
0: Mm, right and, and it's all at 18.
1: I, was, I wasn't I was even 18. I was
0: 17, 17. years old. Oh yeah, because you were you know, younger than everybody, yeah, my, right? My
1: birthday's not till September, so I graduated. I got a baby on the way. I got two friends that just got killed. I right. see my life at this real crossroad, and I'm call- my sister called me. I'll never forget this conversation. My sister calls me, and she says, what you gonna do, brother? Mm. And I said, I'm gonna go to college. Mm. I just threw this out there. She said, Oh, is that right? And she's saying that the mailman is walking up, to, uh, walking up to deliver the mail. Yeah. And so I take the mail from him, and she said, where are you going to go to school? I just got something in the mail from Parks College.
0: It's <laughs> <laughs> my acceptance letter. I am going to Parks College. Yeah, yeah, she you said, looking at the name, make sure you say it the right way. She said, oh, I'm so
1: proud of you. What you going to study? Uh, I, flipped over, uh, um, I flipped over the brochure, I said, Business administration.
0: <laughs> nah, sorry, you saw a sign behind your sister that
1: said business administration. You was like, uh I wasn't <laughs> Chad, I wasn't on FaceTime. Yeah. We didn't have FaceTime. Yeah. I, I'm talking to her on the phone. Yeah. I see it, it says Business Administration. <laughs> I said, I'ma study business administration. Mm. She said, You will be great in business. Mm. And my sister spoke that to me and I said, I know. Mm. I went across the street, it was in a I went over to I walked to Parks College. I said I got this in the mail. I brought it with me. I got this in the mail. They said I could come here, and they did the same test, Mm. and the same thing happened. And I was seventeen, so I couldn't get financial aid. Yeah, my parents had to sign off on it. So they called. I called my dad and said, "Dad, I, I need you to meet me up here when you get off work." And he's like, "What?" Well, whatever. He comes up there, and the admissions guy says, "Your son scored off the chart." Yeah, he is so focused. And my dad said, "Who?" He said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My dad said, who yeah. what are you talking about? Yeah. And then he said, him, your son Tark. Yeah. And my dad said, he's focused. And uh the rest is history. I started going to school two right. weeks later. And uh so our, our stories are, are very similar from that perspective. Yeah. 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 I, I I wanna I I wanna camp here just for a second, but I, I it's just so many things that I want to talk to you about and ask you. Did you get into real estate first and then you went back to go get your PhD? Or when did the PhD come in? And then how did you leverage your PhD to now become the real estate doctor to get to where you are today and develop the systems that you have? I need to understand that a little bit.
0: So um, the, the, the short of it was when, so when I got the opportunity for school, I had made it up in my mind. I want to give young kids the same feeling I have. I want to give them the hope um, and my, one of my counselors gave me a book called *The Hope in the Unseen*, and that was always my model. And I always said, I want to go back and give them a pathway through education. Yeah. Right. So uh, when I was in undergrad, it was always doing mentoring programs, big brother, big sister, yeah. running those kind of things. Right. The PhD, and this is where it goes back to: Did I? Was it just like, oh, he loved academics? I was good in academics. Right. And I found myself being able to catch on and learn things quickly, no matter what. But I also knew, and this was, I think you'll resonate, education was a hustle. And I started getting, first I got afforded an opportunity through the Ronald e. McNair Scholars Program, shout out to the McNair Scholars Program. I got put into that program, which was geared towards graduate education. Okay. Not because I wanted to do it, but because my uh, professor at the time, Dr. Antonio Kalu. Said, this is something you need to do. All right, I'll go do it because I like her. Not because I want to research. They prepare you for masters, right? And it was like, you gotta be geared towards masters. Okay, now they're talking about they're gonna give you free money Okay, to get so a master. Here, here, it is again. here it is again. All right, I'm gonna keep riding this wave, right? Got a chance to do that. And then it was like, you know what? I was always so scared about, about, my, about my background Right. It was like this dual consciousness.
1: Yeah.
0: It was like you had Chad from Mbello that nobody knew.
1: okay,
0: And then you had this emergent scholar. And I knew at some point those roads were going to co- cross. Yeah. And you know when they cross, right, is when typically you're applying for jobs. You know, and you can true. have all this education. And they're going to ask you, have you ever been convicted of a felony or a misdemeanor? Tart. So that was it. So the paranoia kept you going. It on. kept me going. And this is what I tell people. The education for me mentally became a hustle mm. to overcompensate. I said, you know, if I got this opportunity, I get a master's. Half of these people ain't going to ask me about something I did at 18. That's right. Oh, now you're going to let me get a Ph.D. as a black man. Nobody I know got a Ph.D. And now I can easily say, you know what, that was a part of my life back then. And this now you evening, got a testimony. Now you got a testimony. Yeah. But it was also a strategic thinking on it. Like to say, I don't want to have to sit in front of a Tark or a boss or to have to always explain my background, Yeah, man. right? That became my hustle. And it was never because I was just like, oh my God, I want to learn more and more. I, I grew to love it, but it wasn't because of that. So uh, the part about the PhD, right after my PhD was in research and evaluation methods, educational policy. Okay. Because I knew I wanted to work in the education space. Worked in education space, um, probably a good eight to 10 years before real estate.
1: All right. Thank you all for joining the show. Just a quick reminder. If you like the content that you're receiving and you want to help us out, we really would appreciate that. If you want to help, you can go to our cash app, which is dollar sign, the pro formula, or you can go to our Patreon account, which is patreon.com slash the pro formula. Thank you so much. Your support means
0: the world to us.
1: What, what made you pivot
0: into real estate? I got fired. <laughs> so to be point blank. So let me, let me, um, let me give you what, what really happened, right? So as you start to become like this scholar and people are calling you Dr. Nash and all this and that, and that was the first part of my life I thought I arrived, okay. right? It was like, oh, I'm on my way to being a president of a university or a college or something, right? Black man with a PhD? Yeah. Like I, I was unstoppable, and right? You, and you were a unicorn. And you were a unicorn and you had a testimony. Yeah. I just knew where my life was going, right? Yeah. And so um, I worked in fundraising spaces, policy places in my at spaces. And my last job, I won't say the, the, the name of the district, but it was a local district uh-huh. here. Uh, and it was a senior level leadership position. And I just knew nobody could touch me. Well, guess what? They touched me.
1: Were you a little arrogant at that time? Yeah,
0: absolutely. So, and, and not arrogant that I looked down on people. No, I understand.
1: But just maybe you just had your head. Uh, you felt like you was all that.
0: I, I, I just knew life was going to be good for me. Yeah. Were you making well, good money at this time? For an educator. Okay. Right. Absolutely, PhD. Right? Notice he had to change that. Yeah, this, this, <laughs> yeah. And that's version, part of the- This new yeah.
1: version of chat's doing way better than the. Well, than the and that's the version. part
0: of the testimony piece, right? Because yeah. when we've talked about this, how life changes, right? In that spectrum, I would I thought I was King Kong. CEO came in. Actually, as the CEO came in, sat me down. We no longer need your services. What? You see that look you just gave? That was I, what? What? You don't need my services. Like, I'm the poster child for these programs that we're running. Yeah. Like, to create access. We're downsizing. We're, you know, we're going a different direction. We don't need your services anymore. We're going to give you a severance. Wait a freaking minute. This this Everybody else has always put out a platter, right? And you do get arrogant. Like, oh, man, if I just work hard, people just going to keep rewarding you. Well, that was the first time life, besides the delinquency, hit me in the mouth so um it was there, there i had a crossroads because obviously having a phd i knew i could always go get an education job and i knew enough people right so it wasn't and this is again i'm never one to say oh it was a woe is me life is the end of the road you just kept going there's some hustlers out there where it really is the end of the road that's right. right and they just trying they to ran out of
1: their last little hustle that's it else going.
0: that going so that, that wasn't, wasn't you. that story you, one no. trick pony. you knew you could mm. do something with it right and i was like okay um I love being in the community. I'm gonna do this uh, educational fundraising nonprofit and teach people how to do fundraising like grassroots. I know I could go do that. At the same time, and this is part of that arrogance, right? Um, I never was a corporate person. I could land any job talking about how I could, uh, you know, shake hands with anybody. I could charm the hell out of anybody. But you leave me in there more than a year, I'm tired. I'm ready to go do something else, right? So it was like, do I really wanna go back through this, right? I was going to do the educational fundraising. and it was by chance, and you may know him, uh, and I'm not scared to say his name because he's a big mentor. Do you know Eric Cobb? He was a big coach when we were young. I don't. Okay. Um, But he was the regional HUD administrator at the time.
1: Okay.
0: And he was my little league basketball coach. Big-time realtor back in his day, working in the biggest sector of real estate for government, right? We were having lunch, and he was like, well, what are you going to do? Same thing like your sister asked you, right? I don't know, Coach, Coach Guy. I don't know, you know. I wasn't thinking about it. I was like, they gave me six months to do whatever the hell I want to do. Yeah. Well, think about getting your real estate license. For what? I've never had a desire to do real estate. Yeah. I've never had a desire to show anybody a home. Never had a desire to talk about fixtures in a home. None of that. Chad, but your mind is on, has always been on, social mobility,
1: yeah,
0: and you've always preached this message to kids and to uh, young adults about the path to creating a better life, right? Yeah, man. You've always been involved in the community, right, giving back, he said, and, and you've told me before, you want a home affordability at that time was really big because that's when Denver was really becoming expensive, right. right? And we're talking about gentrification. You just did a panel a couple of weeks ago talking about displacement and gentrification. Mm. Think about real estate. You got time to get the license, right? And he told me X, Y, Z, and he put it in a whole different way, right? He said, one, you wanna be an entrepreneur, you wanna do your own thing. You're not built to work for somebody. Yeah, you're not a corporate mayor. right? Two, if you come with this with the same passion, right? Of community and uplift, and you're really teaching around this piece of it, you can actually use this real estate piece to incorporate back into your educational and your educational nonprofit fundraising, all that kind of stuff. Okay, cool. I'll go take the class. Again, just like you, just like me, get in the class, you blow everybody out Knock the it water. Out. Right? Yeah. Professors coming up to you or the teachers coming. God, you're like, oh, you're, you know. Can you help, you wanna teach some of this to your classmates and lead this and cool, right? So you're already getting this momentum and, but here's the competitive part, right? I'm looking at people who are in that room and I'm like, what in the, right? Like these people don't take it serious. Old people just no clue what they wanna do. And I'm like, you're telling me that this is what this profession is looking like? Like this is the quality, right? And I may, and I said, okay, I'm going to give this a try for a couple months. And I'm going to bring the same passion, the same educational principles, do it the way that I learned over here, yeah. and bring it to real estate. And so when we start talking about like the systems and stuff, right? Taking that same system, same mantras, I'm going to just bring it over here. And I brought it over. And for me, it was like, I don't know if this is going to work, right? For the industry, it was like, bruh this is something different, right? Um, and it just kind of took off from there. And, and you know, it just became a, the first few years it was keep your blinders on and keep doing it for the right reason. Life changed. The, after your first commission check, you're like, hold on, I made well, just- What was that first check? <laughs> I had to be like 15, 20,000. Your right. first
1: commission check, $15,000. you are looking at it now like saying, okay, I'm up to something. I, I might be able to do something.
0: Because my highest salary, going back to your question, right, in education was 90 mm. for the whole year. So right? you just did that then you got it, yeah. In one transaction, mm. one transaction, right? And I was oh, like, "So did the light bulb at that minute. point?"
1: And you said, "Okay, right. I, I can make some money like this."
0: Because then it became the universe rewards. You have read the alchemist, um, right? The, the universe rewards yeah, when your heart uh, finds his true passion, right? The, the universe, universe conspires, conspires to give you right. what you want. Exactly. Yeah. And so it was like, I'm good at this, and I'm not good at it because I, I still, to this day, don't like houses. I could care less about a house. we've had this conversation. Yeah, I cared about the concept of ownership, yeah. and I cared about the historical principles of why we were marginalized from ownership.
1: Why did, like,
0: and I love, I, I get it, mm-hmm. I hear it, but like, why do you care so much about other people? Because Well, because it was the same thing with education. When I went back and looked at, why did Chad, why did 10 year old Chad, why was he so susceptible to growing up and following this path? Yeah. and he somehow had mentors placed in his life that redirected him. Okay. Why do we not all have that opportunity? Okay. Why do we all not have a chat and a Tart to look at and be inspired by?
1: Yeah.
0: why are our our why are our role models the OGs or athletes yeah. right? That was what I was passionate about in education. Yeah. How do I give them a frame to say this is possible so then but that's your bubble right and it says if you're born on this side of peoria or colfax you don't got those role models right right? if you don't have access to this you're less likely to be able to go to a harvard or ucla ucla c u boulder where at parks college whatever it may be same thing in real estate right and that's where when i look back at how he was breaking it down he said the real systemic issues Come from ownership. Who has access? Who has property? And you think about us as black men, right? Yeah. Wealth building. America was built off the principle of ownership. Who had it?
1: Yeah.
0: White public. Who, right? And it was. And now, when you start, and I was always in a, a, a history and thinking about the lending and the finance and who had access to loans. Yeah. Red why did we? Why that. did we get pushed out to my Bella? Let me just share this. I know we're. I know we're short on time, but I got to share this with you, right? So when my dad came here in 1978, right? From Arkansas, he had his VA benefit because he was a veteran and he had my mom and he was working for the railroad. He had two places that he was looking at properties. One was in Wash Park. This is 1978 when the houses were dirt cheap. One was in Wash Park. All the white folks lived in Wash Park. The realtor told him, we got a new area We've got a new area, Come on, right, that's cheaper. Come on, and you may find it more appealing. Watch Park, Montbello. Where did he go? Montbello. Montbello, right? And you think about that. Yes. You think about My mom to this day, and it pisses me off so much because to this day, she remembers that exact address. You know how much that home is no longer there, but the home that's sitting on that land, $2.5 million. That house hmm. on that piece of land that she could just have had and
1: that's your life, you start off in a whole different race.
0: You start off in you a whole
1: different a whole race, different category and unfortunately, um, I think it's a shame on that real estate agent if I could be completely honest, but that's what it was. Yeah it's like you didn't even want to educate.
0: you boy. didn't. You just was looking at it one it's the real estate is if you look deeper than just a house, when you look at segregation you look at ownership, real estate is the epitome of what has divided this country.
1: Yeah.
0: You see what I'm saying? I and so that's when it became about the people and saying, I can affect change and I can give hope or inspiration of a blueprint
1: yeah.
0: of to say, we got to start here. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, and I just happen to be good at it too. <laughs> I, I want to know, um,
1: if, if you were wanting to give some advice to like, mm-hmm. because on this show, it's not like your story is just, I could do this all day. I love talking with you, brother. You are such a wealth of knowledge, but let's talk to that real estate agent mm-hmm. who's who's stuck right now. They they haven't had that success that you've uh, achieved. W- what's your advice to them?
0: Yeah, um, and that's, that's one thing I'm really focused on for this year and next year, right? One, it's the quality. Of the industry because unfortunately real estate has is kind of this fallback career even in my case yeah right wasn't what you set your heart out to but mm-hmm. it's end up what you what you fell into right now I was blessed and I came into real estate with a lot of cachet that helped me propel quicker Okay, a lot of agents that I see don't have that cachet it truly is a fallback you know, I was working a nine to five over here. I got to let go, I'm gonna just try real estate, right? And what 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 I would say for them, because they all look at me and they're like, how did Chad do it so quick? Well, Chad had a lot of stuff going for him too, but there are some principles within there that I think could help Talk about anybody. That. So one, when I got into real estate, and it, <laughs> it's so funny we're talking about how all these life lessons, right? So one of the first things that new agents are taught to do, if Tar gets into real estate, you go to any of these, um, homogeneous, uh, agencies, they're going to say, Tart, focus on your sphere. Mm. You heard this term, yep. right? Focus on your sphere. That's where you're going to get the business, right? But they don't tell you. And especially in our community, there's a lot of dynamics that go on with that. Right? Yeah. And I won't go into all the dynamic. We'll, we'll be here all day. Yeah. But it's like, all right, if you go tell Tark, focus on his 20 closest people. Right? And Tark is not Chad. Tark doesn't have, not, not, not you, but I'm you. just saying. I
1: don't have your network right. or. Right, the this PhD, right?
0: PhD I, I was able to come in quickly yeah. and people took that trust. It takes agents a lot of time to build that trust. They're focusing on people. And it becomes a psychological thing because you're telling them to focus on their 20 most trusted people, but they haven't built that trust, right? Just just real mm-hmm. quick,
1: how do you build trust?
0: Yeah, that, so let me yeah. get to that. How do you right? build a trust? So by them going to them, now they're feeling defeated in two ways because their own folks ain't using them, Yeah, man. right? Their own folks is going to use Chad, right? Yep. What I did was you have got to build social proof of who you are and why you are doing this and people, I don't think people give the consumer enough credit to say I'm choosing this person for authentic reasons. They look at it like, Oh, real estate agents are a commodity. They're going to choose me because I look good or I say I can buy and say, Oh, there's educated consumers. So building the social proof, and this is how I did it for me. It goes back to that getting outside of your comfort zone. I did the opposite. I said, you know what, I have uh, April Denman, I have uh, Delroy Gill, I have all these black realtors that have been doing this for a while, right? I need to get out this lane because people are comparing me to them and I don't wanna be compared to them, right? I need to create my own identity. So what I did was I did open houses my first year. And every weekend I said, I'm gonna do an open house. And not because I just want to hold a sign open open house. Here was a strategy. If I could go hold open houses in Cherry Creek, mm. Highlands Ranch, Littleton, Broomfield, I ain't just doing open houses over here in Montbello. And
1: for brother. you that, that may be watching the show and don't know, we're talking about the higher socioeconomic yes, sorry parts of town in, in Denver. So yes, I know we got a national audience, and they may not understand. Excuse those, me, but it's we're talking about some of the high and, um, socioeconomic places within the greater metro
0: yes areas. absolutely so th- thank you for yes so the higher SES places compared to where we're from yeah. which i would say would be working class lower middle class middle that's class right. right part of it was like i'm gonna get out of my comfort zone i'm not going to go back to my bellows and sit there and try to compete or whatever because one people know me that's right And they know Chad's background too.
1: Yeah, remember Chad was at the at the Gilliam exactly in the
0: Gill with him. So exactly, they may not even believe you. And I said, you know what? If I could get into these external exterior spheres, I like that. And it goes back to that part where I always said I could I could charm, right? Uh, And I know that I know what I know, and I'm educated. So I looked at open houses in these other communities as job interviews. The same skill set that I learned, same skills that I learned, good in the graduate school, graduate interviews, just be on your best and know your stuff, and charm, right? And I took that, and you find attraction,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and so you're finding people that don't know anything about you. They're only judging you based on the person who shows up in front of them at that moment. Does he know what he? Does he know? And he's likable, right? And I started having tremendous success with people that didn't know me. And what I did was I promoted it, right? Facebook, social media. It was always, and it was the testimonials. You probably seen that early in my career. It was always a testimonial That's video. That's what we bought a house.
1: I mean, we mm-hmm. sold our house with you, and it was, it was scientific. Right. Right. I mean, this was not your. This was a sign. This man has a system that is just so. Focus. He told us everything that was gonna happen. He reverse engineered it. So we began with the end in mind. We started with where we were gonna end at, and there was times along the road I was like, "Man, this dude is ambitious." <laughs> I said, "This brother is ambitious." Until that house closed, until <laughs> right there, like, "Oh, oh, okay." <laughs> I run out of town, right? When
0: that happened. But see, now take you and and take your your awesome wife, right? Because you are two of the most meticulous individuals, educated when you're talking about business. It wasn't gonna be Turk or your wife just going to pick Joe Schmo off the street to sell your house. Right. Now you take that and say, Chad took that same message to communities outside. Yeah. Same presentation style, right? Let me break it down, let me make sure they're educated, they feel empowered, they feel good, they got a system. And I was able to show that, right? Now, when I come back to my community, it's like, wait a minute, we know the guy's heart, we know who he is. We know why he's doing it. Even the adversity, right? It becomes a pro. We know how authentic it is. Chad ain't ever going to come at us like he's way up here. Yeah, man. But he's also at the top of his game. He's also one of the top realtors. And he just so happens to look like me. So it provides a two I love level. It. Does that make sense? Oh, I love it. I, yeah.
1: think, I think you're there. I, I want to ask you if you could just break down. Mm-hmm. What is your, what is a day in Chad's world what does that look like when do you wake up what is your routine yeah and just walk us through that because i think sometimes people don't know that it doesn't well people don't understand that it didn't happen because you just woke up and thought it was going to happen mm-hmm. you actually are very strategic, strategic yeah. talk to me a little bit about what your daily schedule and routine
0: and yeah. looks like. man i wish a, you know I and i wish that the cameras could see my phone right i'm very structured so I'm gonna talk because I think I'm in a different place schedule-wise now than when I was.
1: getting on
0: Right. Okay. You know what I mean. But at that point in time, I was I was a meticulous time manager. Okay. Right. So time management is a huge. It component. is, bruh. That is my secret weapon. My calendar is my secret weapon, right? And we talk, talk about it. Right. Talk about that calendar. Um, <laughs> let me show it to you. What do you want me to show it to you? Yeah. Nah, nah. I'll get you. I'll show it. Oops. I'm sorry. Uh, I'll show you kind of just a...
1: But this organization, as he's getting this pulled up, this organization that goes into, you know, time
0: management. It's not... Right. So you see this color coding. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. And I wish I could show everybody on there. I'll just show you across, but they can see the colors. This is a system that I employed the whole time. And it said, we get pulled in so many different directions, but you got to be intentional. And I call the success of real estate is chopping wood. You got to be consistent and you got to find a way to every day consistently be doing things. The second jewel, just in case you weren't listening, the first jewel was time
1: management. The second jewel is consistency. Consistency. You got to find that consistent routine that
0: works for you. You got to be willing to go out there and chop the wood and do the work. And for me, it said, you know what? I have a daughter. I have a family. I like to do fun stuff, right? All that. How do I fit this in and make a life that I want to create? I got to be true to this profession. I got to give this profession time, right? Okay. And so every day, I would just time block. Here's my three hours, here's my four hours, just consistently doing one activity. Next day, consistently doing this activity. Next day, here's what I'm doing for marketing, right? So people would ask me... How much time do you spend... Let, let's break it down this way. How much time do you spend
1: mm. goal setting? Yeah. How much time a day do you spend marketing yeah how much time a day do you spend
0: with your clients Yep. so um and and i'm trying to think back so i used to have like these uh i call them sunday goal sets right okay and i would take three hours per I, not as much anymore because it's a routine but when i started to say what are going to be my 10 activities for this week mm. right who are going to be my 10 to 15 clients that i'm going to engage What's going to be my outreach to attract new clients? What are gonna be my four or five social media posts? Because, and here's the secret, right? My social media, everything that I would post was strategic, right? Because I knew I never wanted to come off as that realtor of, hey, I can help you buy or sell. I don't think you ever saw one of those, right? But I knew that if I could attract and keep eyes on me, right, for every four posts of lifestyle, you probably remember I would always pose like I might be eating somewhere cool or Mother. doing something. My daughter. Right. Mother. Because you're, you're getting people looking. Then I slide in a little testimonial. Right. Oh, guys, by the way, this is the platform that's helping me to do this. Right. Yeah. OK, now let me get back to a lifestyle. But it was all strategic. And it, it all came from that Sunday planning. Mm. Right. So what is my Monday motivation going to be? What is my Tuesday thought going to be? Right. What is my Thursday takeover going to be? What is my Friday foodie going to be? And is this
1: is this like a a Sunday? I'm a Sunday. Down, I'm mapping it out. Map it all I'm out. Map it all out. You are. You're not gonna get where you're trying to go if you don't have a plan. Imagine you, you're on a highway. You're trying to get to yes. destination that you've never been to. If you just say, I think it's over there, mm-hmm. you'll never get there. Or you may get there by luck. Yeah. But it's, it, it, it's, it's mm-hmm. it really, you gotta put mm-hmm. the address in the GPS so that the GPS will take you to where you're trying to go.
0: you let, let, let me go back because you just said a key word, luck, right? Yeah. And this is what separates the sustainability, right? Wow. Because there's a lot of people that can get into any industry quick and have dumb luck. Okay. And I see a lot of this with realtors they get in, they get those $15,000 commission checks, they get two, three, four, they think they're King Tut. I say, okay, come holler at me in a year. I want to see where you are in a year, right? What was your plan of sustainability? And that's that goal setting and yep. being intentional in and saying, if you don't create a roadmap, a weekly roadmap, a daily roadmap to where when you look at your camera, you uh, not your camera, I <laughs> just looked at the camera. When you look at your calendar, right? To say, this is what I need to be doing from uh, 10 a.m. to 12. And then from 12, 30, I need to be doing this. And now, then from. Did you always like, do you always stick to that? Or is there
1: times mm-hmm. where you're like, man, I, I fell out. Like, I, I get, I get it. I, yeah. You're not a robot. Right.
0: But are you pretty consistent with that schedule? I am. I would say I'm, I, I was probably about 80% consistent. But this is why. Because you, if you inca- if you account for in your schedule, flex time. Yeah. Right? Life. Life, lifetime, right? And so I would always say, hey, every day, I always need four to five hours of just life, right? That may be, my daughter wants to go to McDonald's, right? I need to go check on my mom. And what you do is, even if your lifetime was from five to 9 p.m., right? Okay, well, now you need to do lifetime at one o'clock because there's whatever's going on. She got something going on in school. Okay, well, those two hours that you missed, gotta go on to the back okay. okay they gotta go on to so the it back may the not schedule.
1: be in those exact slots or in those time blocks. it has to get done done
0: it's gotta get done, gotta get done. what time do you wake up uh when i was grinding my hardest right i was probably up four or five o'clock in the mornings now i'm still up probably about that same time but you know i'm gonna have a golfer right uh-huh so now and this is I, I'm, I'm saying this is inspiration right because it took three years of this grinding mindset waking up four or five six getting on it what time are you going to bed <sighs> bro when i was on it it was um 12 okay. 1. so it'd so, be like so we four actually, hours we in five hours four, four five hours, hours absolutely and that was routine okay. right and not napping during the day not napping not napping. I'm, I'm, I'm bro. moving. And, Nineteen ninety up there. I'm grinding. And it's and it and it's so funny. My girlfriend, she would say, I "Remember how this is now, right?" She was like, "I remember how hard you would grind, right?" And she'll make jokes. She like, "You don't do any of that anymore." Well, that's because one, the system's my working. my systems work yeah. now. But she'll be like, "I mean, you were just like on fire. Like, that's what attracted me to you, yeah right?" Um so working up grinding going to sleep grinding now i'm at a space where i say you know what i'm still gonna wake up at five o'clock i'm gonna gonna play golf four hours in the morning that's my workout Mm -hmm. right so i become intentional but i also say okay if i know i'm not going into the office till 10 o'clock this time got to be made up somewhere are you taking clients with you to golf? Absolutely. It's all strategic. Okay. So we're still we're still building a business. It's all. Building the brand. I, and now and now I'm at a point in my life where I'm building a brand based business, a personal brand based business. Um I'm um, everything I do is around what Chad likes to do, but it feeds back into the business.
1: Talk about that aspirational luxury.
0: Oh yeah. Uh that was the it, it, that was a concept that I came up with probably about my third year in real estate. And here was the crux of it, right? Because you find success and people are kind of pushing you to become a mold of agent that they think you can be. Yeah. So, you know, I'm doing my thing in the communities that I know. And I got all these luxury agents over here trying to push me to like live bees and become this global agent. Right. And when you're young in the industry, that's appealing. Oh, man, I could be doing deals in China and this and that. Yeah. Right. And that's a path you can take. And I would, I would look at it and it took me a little bit to learn, that's not the pathway I wanna be. Could I do it? Could I become this mega agent and be on jets and closing deals in New York and this and that? Absolutely, right? But it went back to why did I get into this in the first place and what I was passionate about, right? And there was a quote that fueled me, and this is one that I'll give to the to the, uh, to the the audience out there. It said, um, oh, I was, now I can't think of it. Oh, sell to the masses, eat with the classes. Because I asked a guy, and as an instructor, I said, how do I build my business, right? He said, Chad, I don't know what kind of business you're gonna build, I can't tell you what way to go, but sell to your masses, and you will eat with the classes. Yeah sell to what resonates the most with you, who resonates the most with you, your life will take care of itself. You ain't gotta go acting like you're an agent in those most affluent neighborhoods and that's all you're posting about and you're driving their type of cars or whatever you think their life looks like to show that you made it, right? You can sell to exactly where you wanna, what resonates with you, right? to the communities that resonate with you, first time home buyers, first time home sellers, people who are trying to jump into investing, and your life will take care of itself. So I took took that term and I said, how can I brand me into where I really wanna be, right? And I said, okay, I look at where I'm at, I didn't have a blueprint, right, uh, to buy multiple properties. I didn't have a blueprint on how to do HELOCs and 1031s exchanges, right? But there's a lot of folks that look like me and Tark that can do it, right? It's just they need that blueprint, or how can you serve as that blueprint? So that aspirational luxury came from, you know what? I want to work with people that look like Chad. When I hear that term,
1: Mm -hmm. man, I always think of, it's, it's the things that we dreamed of when we was young mm-hmm. men. You know, yeah. I want to have it look like this, I want it to be like that. And it's almost aspiring to this next level that you've been able to to do so well. Uh, I just think that's such a, a a classy term. Yeah. Um. Such a classy term. It's been incredible. Um. I, I got one segment. It's a fun segment. Yep. Yeah. You down to have a little bit of fun with me? Absolutely. I, I call it end the debate. All right. Because we are end
0: the, the debate or end the debate.
1: End. The debate. Okay, gotcha. Uh, because we're always debating about these things, and I would just like to hear what you think, man. Okay. So, uh, I want the first thing that comes to your mind. I know you're intentional and thoughtful, man, but just let me know what comes to your mind. Um, is it Mike or LeBron for you?
0: Um, LeBron.
1: Okay. Um, a night in or a night out? Night in. A night in, okay. Miami or L.A.?
0: la 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 la.
1: we gotta be in la right yeah um now are you a classroom setting learner or do you prefer like self-paced learning self-paced just go at it on your own yep. speed uh last one do you prefer like reading books or you still or do you prefer listening to your audibles
0: <laughs> definitely audible now okay. definitely audible
1: awesome um this has been such a fun Time, I think we got to do. Can we maybe do a second, uh, like a part two, uh, at a later date or something? Man? I, it
0: would be my honor.
1: I'm just. It would be out. There. I, I'm legit having such a good time. I love talking to you, but I want you to talk to that person who may be looking for a home.
0: Mm.
1: You know, they may be looking for their first home, or they may be looking for their their investment property. Why should they um, come and work with Dr. Chad Nash and Company?
0: Oh, that's a good question. Um, Because I never like to just sell. I never, I never like to just sell myself. Um, For me, it's, it's about the empowerment of the community. And I have a slogan, uh, bringing a luxury experience to every community and to every journey. So I believe that real estate is a dignified process. It's not a just, it's not just about the transaction. It's not just about the home that you're buying. It's not just about the home that you're selling. It's about the experience and making sure that you have a respectable, uh, experience when you're doing so. and You feel educated and empowered. And that's what I try to give my clients um, through education and, and being thought partners. Uh, and, and I would say if that's the kind of experience that you're looking for, um, not just, hey, we need to buy a home to sleep in or we need to sell a home to make the most equity. But if you're looking for something transformational, I would be your guy and I would be honored to work with you.
1: Tell them how they can get a hold of you.
0: Uh, phone number, uh, 303-359-9229. Uh, email is Chad at Nash and company.com. I'm also on IG. Uh, that's Chad underscore Nash underscore PhD. And I'm also on Facebook.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the pro formula podcast. I'm hopeful that you got something out of this segment and, and something out of this episode. Um, thank you to my, my guest and to a good, a good friend of mine. Dr. Chad Nash, man, salute. Salute. Appreciate you, man. Salute. Salute. Salute.